0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, my name is Michael. If you not know me, I'm one of the pastors in this church. Uh, it's good to be able to talk to you guys today uh, from uh, one Samuel chapter nine. But before um, Tuesday, chapter nine. Before we do that, I'm going to pray for us and ask God to help us to understand this passage more. So let's pray with me. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this morning. We're coming to together, gather to people. Uh, Please help us now to come together as we come to your word. Help us to uh, understand it more and understand how your grace um, alone saves us. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So if you know, uh, I went to high school, a school called the Janani High School in the Shire. And that's where I met my best friend. My best friend, his mom passed away from cancer when he was in year nine. And that changed his life completely. His schoolwork went downhill, just went down the drain. He started skipping school, um, he got drunk a lot at home, he, got, he was caught bringing alcohol to school, he got into fights, he got suspended a lot, and things got a lot worse as time went on. And by the time he was through year 11, halfway through year 11, he was asked to leave school because his schoolwork was just totally non system and it was clear that he was going to finish his year 12, um, also because he got suspended very often. His life was in disarray. So he took the next few months off school. Um, he started working and trying to grieve over his mum's death. Towards the end of the year, he started to get his life together and he worked out he wanted to go back to school. He asked our principal, Mr Elliot, if he could return. Now, Mr Elliot was a was big man, he was, was a scary man. The um, teacher took no nonsense. Um, he looked very tough. And Mr Elliot would have every reason to say no to my friend every reason I said to my friend. After all, he gave my, friend, uh, my friend gave him so much grief, and not to mention he was out of the area. But Mr. Elliot said to him, this is your second chance, and second chance doesn't come by very often. You come back to school next year, we year 11, and you start with a clean slate. I expect you to work hard, and I want to shake the hand of a real man two years from now at your graduation. This is grace. And this will be focused on today from 2 Samuel chapter 9 on David and Mephibosheth. But just before we start, finish the story, my friend did finish year 12 and Mr Elliot did end up shaking his hand at our graduation. Going back to our story on 2 Samuel uh, where our story with David is up to, David by now has become king. Um, he's king now. He has his own capital in Jerusalem. His enemies were all but destroyed with God's help. David is now secure in his throne. It was a time of prosperity and security for David. Last but not the least, last time we heard how God had made a promise, made a covenant with David, promising him that one of his descendants will always be king. So David is now in a very good shape. He's in a, a place of safety and prosperity. Well, during this time, David remembered a promise or a covenant he made with Jonathan nearly 25 years ago. Jonathan was the son of King Saul. Have a look at verse 1 with me in your Bible. I'm good to have 2 Samuel chapter 9 open in verse 1. David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? David wanted to show kindness to those who was left in the house of Saul, for the sake of Jonathan, when David was fleeing from Saul, long after the physical life of God's help, Saul grew very jealous of David, um, and just got jealous because David showed so great courage under God, where Saul didn't. Saul grew very jealous, and he re- relentlessly trying to kill David. Saul's son Jonathan and David, their best friend, so Jonathan protected David, and he asked David to promise him. That he would show kindness to his family. In 1 Samuel chapter 20, verses 14 and 16, said this Jonathan said, But show me unfailing kindness, like the Lord's kindness, as long as I live, so that I may not be killed. And do not ever cut off your kindness from my family, not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David. Now, a lot of things will happen in 25 years. Think about your life 25 years ago, or if you haven't been born yet, think about your life 25 years later. What year was it 25 years ago? 1992. Where were you in 1992? Or think about the future. Where will you be 25 years later at 2042? How old will you be then? you remember a promise you made 25 years ago and we remember a promise you made now 25 years later. How many promises do we remember, let alone keep? We make a lot of promises in our life. We sign a contract, it can be employment contract, buying a car, buying a house, renting a house, applying for a credit card, applying for a loan, a promise with our spouse, with our kids with our parents, with our friends. How many of them do we keep? How many of them do we break? Probably some of the most broken promises are the political ones, with core and long core promises. David shows his loyalty towards his friends and show how serious he takes a promise, even those that he made 25 years ago. David also make a similar promise to Saul later, in 1 Samuel 24, um, 2021, Saul said, I know that you will surely be king and the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hand. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not kill off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. And so David gave his oath to Saul. So here we are today, 25 years later in David's life. David called Ziba in. Ziba was a servant from Saul's household. David's question in verse 3 is quite intriguing. Have a look with me. What was David expecting in verse 3? David asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness? You see, David was expecting that no one would be left in the house of Saul. No one would still be alive. Same at verse 1 when he said, Is there anyone still left? Zeba said, there was one left? One person is still here. Continue in verse three. There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Have you at the verse with me again. He said, "There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet." Do you notice what Ziba has omitted and what he has included? When we are telling someone about another person, we usually mention them by name. Instead of mentioning Mephibosheth by name, Ziba only mentioned who his father was and his disability, that he is lame, he is crippled in both feet. Perhaps these are the only things about Mephibosheth that Zeba thought worth mentioning, rather than his name. It thus tells us what Zeba thought of Mephibosheth. Zeba then told David that Mephibosheth is at the house of micaiah son of Emil, in Nodabar. Now, we don't know much about micaiah son of Emel, except to say he was a very generous man in providing shelter for Mephibosheth. Why? Because Mephibosheth was probably the least of the least in the society. Not only was he crippled, but he was the grandson of a disposed king. Mephibosheth had no standing in the society. Fist literally no standing as his cripple, but also got no influence and no power. But he was also a political refugee. No Debar means no pasture. It was a place far away from Jerusalem. Have you look at the screen with me. The bottom red circle, it shows you where Jerusalem is. No is the top one. It's a place far, far away from Jerusalem, deep in the Jordan Valley. It location suggests to us that Mephibosheth was hiding from the new king. He was hiding from David. Imagine a world today if you have live in Siberia or in our local context in Bursville. imagine that it was out of sight and out of mind. Let's have a look with me. Let's see how the first meeting went between David and Mephibosheth. Their first meeting in verse 67. Mephibosheth bowed down to pay David honour, as you would for a king, out of respect, but he also did it out of fear. As David alluded in verse 7, don't be afraid. Now, Mephibosheth had every reason to be fearful. A newly installed king would wipe out the house of the old king, including family members, supporters, advisors, everyone, everything. Um, in 2 Kings 10, we have King Jehu wipe out the house of Ahab. David pretty much did the same thing to those belonging to Saul or his enemies in 2 Samuel verses 2 to 4. In fact, it was this that caused Mephibosheth his disability. Have a look at 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. It will be on the screen. Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son. who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Israel. His nurse picked him up and fled. But as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. We're usually very careful when we're handling a child, especially when they're not ours. We carry them with utmost care. But here, survival instinct kicked in. Mephibosh's nurse, her only concern was survival. Everything else was secondary. As they fled for their life, she dropped him, and he had been disabled ever since. Now, going back to David's promise, what he promised Jonathan, think about this. What did David need to do to fulfill his promise? What is the minimum requirement for him to get a pass? Which is just to let Mephibosheth leave. That's all he needed to do. But verse 7 shows us that David went far beyond that. He did far more than he required to do. Firstly, David restored Mephibosheth to all the land that belonged to Saul, number one. Number two, Mephibosheth will always eat at the king's table, at David's table. David went far beyond what he promised to Jonathan and Saul, and he came with risk for David. Saul, as an old king, he owned a fair bit of land, and give him Mephibosheth those land, risk him stationing a coup and overthrowing David. Now, granted, Mephibosheth was, was crippled, was disabled, but remember his servant Zeba had sons and servants. David also commanded Ziba to continue to serve Mephibosheth and so to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that Mephibosheth may be provided for. But the biggest of all is to allow Mephibosheth to always eat at his table. Only the closest of the king's family could eat at the king's table. That means usually he's only his wife, his kids, but no one else. You can see Mephibosheth went from the lowest of the lonely society to one of the highest. He was treated to be like one of David's sons, to be like one of the prince. Mephibosheth, in his response, was very humble about it. Stuart last week told us, show us how people in the Bible responded to God's grace. And Mephibosheth says something similar in verse 8. What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Now, this is not Mephibosheth being a humble OCE, here, putting himself down while having a laugh. Now, us Australians, we are very humble. I think at times we are too humble. Maybe we're afraid of the tall poppy syndrome. We don't want to take credit for things, or when we do, we're very humble about it. We might be good at something, but publicly we only say, all well, all right at it. But this is not what Mephibosheth is doing here. He's not having a laugh at himself. Rather, he is genuinely humble and surprised by the grace, the grace that David has shown him. See, Mephibosheth, he was the least in the society. He was disabled. He was a grandson of a disposed king, living in a place far, far away in exile. He had everything against him. Yet David showed him grace and mercy for the sake of a promise he made to both Jonathan and Saul 25 years ago. Grace is undeserved kindness. David not only let Mephibosheth live, but he restored land to Mephibosheth and allowing him to eat at his table. He elevated his status to death be one of his sons. And we know that David continued to look after Mephibosheth and his family. It wasn't just a one-off thing. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and 1 Chronicles 9, further on in the Bible, tells us that Micah had many, many descendants. So you can see that David kept his promise and looked after Mephibosheth for the rest of his life. So David showed grace, showed undeserved kindness to Mephibosheth. In many ways, we are like Mephibosheth. We are the crippled, we are the least in the world. Now, we may not be crippled physically, and we may not be the the least in our society with our wealth, etc. But in God's eyes, we are most certainly the crippled. Have a look with me in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. I'll come on the screen. This is what it says As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, gratifying the craving of our flesh and follow its desire and thoughts. We were by nature deserving of wrath. The Bible describes us as dead in our sin. We are spiritually dead. We are dead in God's eyes. Sin is our rebellious against God. We are helpless in our sinful state. We are totally crippled in our sin. We are slaves to sin. What it means is we give in to our sinful desire. We're selfish, lie and deception, greed, sexual immorality, violence, drug, alcohol, substance abuse, putting other things above God, or being indifferent towards God. That is the world around us, isn't it? means even if we want to save ourselves, we can, because we just give to no a sinful desire. We all sin in different ways. We all struggle with sin in our own way. But we all deserve God's wrath and judgment. And God takes our sin seriously. He is holy. He is just. God and sin just are just compatible. God cannot stand sin. He cannot accept anyone who has sinned. Those who have sinned are the least in God's eyes. So God has a perfectly good reason to ignore us, to walk away from us. Yet God didn't do that. God didn't forget us. God didn't ignore us or give up on us because there is grace and restoration. David made a promise to Jonathan. God also made a promise for us and with us in verse 4 of Ephesians 2. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgression, it is by grace you have been saved. Out of love, out of God's great love for us, He showed us grace and mercy. God is rich in mercy. He showed us exceptional kindness and grace. God made us alive with Christ. Jesus came to our world to take our sin away. Just as David make a covenant with Jonathan and Saul, God make a covenant with us. In Jeremiah 31, it says this, This is the covenant I will make with people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. God made this covenant about 700 years before Jesus was born. Like David, God is a promise keeper. He made a covenant with us, even though we're the cripple and the list in his eyes, and Jesus came to fulfill that covenant out of grace. We didn't do anything to deserve God's kindness, just as Mephibosheth didn't do anything to deserve David's kindness, yet, God, in his grace and mercy, saved us. Have a look at Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians 8 to 9 with me. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Our salvation through faith alone, by God's grace, described as a gift, as a present a present that came with no string attached. What do we do when someone gives you a gift? How do you accept it? We say, thank you. Like Mephibosheth, who was elevated to the king's table to be able to eat like one of David's sons, God has also elevated us to his table. In verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in jesus christ through jesus death on the cross three things are achieved number one we are made alive we're not crippled and trapped in our sin anymore instead of being spiritually dead we are alive jesus has taken our sin away so that we can have eternal life with god number two we are raised up with christ we share jesus victory on the cross when we're given the power to live as god's people through the holy spirit the third one i think is a big deal we are seated at the heavenly realms instead of being the loss of the lord in god's eyes god raises up to be seated with him in the heavenly realms our eternal life is now certain because we are now united with christ in the victory David seated Mephibosheth with his son at his table. God seats us with his son, Jesus, at his table. And this is only possible because of God's grace and mercy, his grace and mercy for us while we're still trapped and crippled in our sin. Just as David showed grace and compassion to Mephibosheth, God showed us grace and compassion in Jesus. One of the values of our church is being compassionate as we live the new life of Jesus. We are called, we are lived to call Jesus' called to love. After two most important commandments, one is to love God, the other one is to love our neighbours as yourself. And our neighbourhood means being more than just the people living next to us. It means the people that we share our suburb with, our city with, our country, and our world with. Here is the list in our society. How can we look after the poor, the homeless, the orphans, the single-parent family, the newly arrived migrants, those who live in a country that is far less fortunate with us? Some of you might already be looking after the list of society and leaving out our compassionate value. But some of you might be wondering, but I don't know anyone who is the list in society. I don't know where to start. Well, can I suggest you is to start praying? Take a 316441 card with you at the back of the church. And in it, it's saying you pray for a family member, a friend, my next-door neighbour, or someone you have yet to meet. Pray for that person. Pray that God will connect you with someone who is less fortunate than you. Once you've connected with that person, then start caring for them. Share a meal with them. Getting to know them. Show them the same kindness that God has shown us. Pray that you'll be able to communicate the message of new life with them. And that is the ultimate way to show love. Nothing is better than sharing The way to eternal life with those around us. As a church, we also support the Ministry of Compassion and IJM, which is um, the International Justice Mission. We sponsor two Children of Compassion, uh, one in the Philippines and one in Tanzania. Or maybe you have sponsored another Children of Young already. IJM seeks to stop the global slave trades and rescue those who are in slavery pray for their work and support them together we can show god's grace to those around us in the bible we heard how david showed grace and mercy grace and kindness to mephibosheth undeserved grace and kindness and jesus also showed us grace and kindness god has shown us grace kindness and compassion through jesus both of those undeserved and we are called to show the same grace and kindness to those around us, to those who are less fortunate than us as we are called to live the measure of new life. Let me pray and ask God to help us to do that. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a promise keeper like David. We thank you that you have shown us grace and mercy just as David did to Mephibosheth. We thank you for Jesus. Through his death on the cross, our sins are taken away, and we may have eternal life with you in the heavenly realms. Please help us to say yes to your undeserving grace, and help us to show the same kindness to people in our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.